So I'm going to begin reading, again, Luke, Luke 2, verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And, Noah, and, excuse me, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. That's much better. I can actually see with these glasses on. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into, into the temple courts When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law the law of the Lord, and they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we are able to come together and know that where two or more are gathered, you indeed are in our presence. We thank you that we have your revelation of who you are through your word and that we have the freedom to open it up. We pray that you'd bless this study of your word, help us to see how you would have it to apply our lives, both as individuals and collectively as a church. May we see not only the things, the plans that you have in mind for us, Lord, but may we see your steadfast faithfulness, your commitment to keeping your promises and your ultimate love that you have for us. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, I want to share a few observations from the text and then a couple of, of applications that hopefully will be meaningful for you. Uh, first, I'll start off, the first observation is that God always keeps his promises, but often does so in unexpected ways. And so we'll, we'll look at sort of anticipating what was expected here and how we see God's promises being, being uh, fulfilled. I'm going to read again verses 34 and 35 because that's sort of where we're going to be focusing on for, for this uh, observation. In verse 34, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, so he said this to Jesus' mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. As you look at, especially focusing on the part where uh, Simeon is revealing that Savior, that Jesus will be spoken against, and you sort of think about at this point, what are they thinking? Let's, let's sort of put ourselves into the, into the mind of, of Mary and kind of where she's been. We know at this point she's already been visited by the angel Gabriel and been told that she was going to bear the Son of God. 
She's actually given birth, and as soon as she gave birth, uh, these uh, shepherds showed up and, and talked to her about you know, all the things that they had seen and heard. And so at this point, everything is sort of playing out the way I anticipate uh, she perceived it would be from the angel Gabriel. And, and I'm, I guess there's a little bit of a stretch there. I'm not sure if an angel shows up to you and tells you you're going to be bearing the Son of God that you really know what to expect because things have gotten pretty well uh, off the rails of what you normally expect. But nonetheless, this seems to all follow what the angel Gabriel had said. I sort of envision in Mary's mind it's probably similar to the Christmas card manger scene. You know, the, the baby's going to be born, the, the, it's going to be the star, there's going to be all these great things that are happening, and the Son of, of God is going to be born. But we learn as we, uh, as we start seeing laid out from Simeon that the story is not going to unfold the way she might have anticipated. Uh, I think that as we look at, uh, from the standpoint of people speaking out against the, her son, I doubt that she anticipated uh, that that was going to happen and, and, and sort of some foretelling in this latter part of this verse that it gets even worse than, than having words said against him. So I want to, to jump in a little bit here to uh, thinking about what Mary and more importantly probably what the other people that were there awaiting the arrival of the Messiah, what they expected that new king to look like. Uh, and so we can sort of build on what Pastor Jason talked about last week where he talked about in the Roman now an empire previously under Julius Caesar we had seen Power had changed to Caesar Augustus, and Caesar Augustus had assumed power through military might and through uh, bloodshed. He had basically become a military commander and actually transitioned the Roman Empire, Roman uh, Republic, into an empire and had placed himself in the head role of that, as well as had indicated that he perceived that Julius Caesar, his uh, adopted and now dead dad, was divine, suggesting, as Pastor Jason shared with us, that Caesar Augustus was indicating that he indeed was the son of God, that he was divine, and that he wanted people to treat him as being divine. So I can imagine that what the people in this time, the people in this story, were seeing and looking around them and thinking about what a kingdom looked like, uh, it's easy to imagine that they probably envisioned the Messiah coming in through military power, uh, and coming in for world domination and, and all the majesty and the, and the trappings that go with that, that the Messiah would be this all-powerful military ruler, perhaps very similar to the way Caesar Augustus was running the empire, except with the Messiah at the head instead of Caesar Augustus. And so the, the Jewish folks and the folks in Jerusalem thought that this new kingdom uh, would likely look much different than I think they perceived from Simeon as he is foretelling. Uh, in verse 34 again, he will be a sign that is spoken against so that the hearts of many will be revealed. We know again, we know and anticipate because we know the story that Jesus would be ridiculed, that he would suffer. But I, I don't think Mary envisioned whenever she was told by the angel that she would be giving birth to the Son of God, that he would be subjected to that kind of ridicule. And then as I mentioned earlier, in the latter part of that, in verse 35, it says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is Simeon speaking directly to Mary who has just given birth to Jesus, and she hears these words, and a, and a sword will pierce your soul too. I have to wonder, did Mary understand the gravity of those words? Did she realize that not only would her son be ridiculed and, and, and not be, be given the respect that she knew the Son of God should have to have, but that he would be taken in the way and killed by those same people who he came to rescue? Uh, I think that's something that, from Mary's perspective, this story that, that Simeon... Uh, reveals and how it's going to unfold must be much different and unexpected from what, uh, what Mary would have expected. 
Clearly, I think it's important to note that Simeon reveals that this Savior will indeed deal with the suffering of the people. Remember, the people of Jerusalem were looking for this Savior to come in, this Messiah, to relieve them from their suffering. But I anticipate, as I mentioned earlier, they probably expected it would be through military or political triumph, as they had expected. But instead, uh, he decided and came in, and we understand that Jesus was going to deal with our suffering by sharing it in himself. And, and what a huge blessing that is. Amen to that. We know that Jesus didn't just make the suffering less. He didn't just make the suffering uh, quit for a time. But he bore our burdens to make that suffering in for eternity. And so I think that's a key component of what uh, I really love about this, this uh, section of the, of the Bible. So this story of the kingdom of the coming Savior and the ruler of all will be a story about a suffering servant and king, not just a king and a military ruler. And so it's a much different, much, uh, even though God is fulfilling his promises, I think it's, a, it's clearly in an unexpected manner. As we see revealed uh, the extent of God's love uh, and his faithfulness, we need to not lose faith in thinking and realizing that God will indeed keep his promises, uh, even though we may often feel that a sword has pierced our own souls. We may feel that as we are trusting God, there are those things that happen. It's loss of loved ones. It's the sicknesses that we deal with. It's the, the failures, the things that we, that we think are so important that don't happen in the way we want them. I think we can take comfort from this that we know that even, even when things aren't happening the way we, we might want them to, that God is in control. He has a bigger plan. He is faithful to keep his promises. And I think, therefore, we should remember that God keeps his promises often in unexpected ways, and in this case, even to the point of suffering and dying for us. And so I think we can find uh, strength and and hope in that. Our second observation, uh, no matter who you are, the story of Jesus is for you. So no matter what your background is, no matter how old you are, how young you are, the story of Jesus is for you. Uh, Look with me, uh, starting in verse 30. We're going to focus on 32, but starting in verse 30, We're going to read again. Uh, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I think as we focus, especially on verse 32, we see that that light for revelation to the Gentiles as well as for the glory of the people of Israel, we see that God has revealed his plan or his, his, uh, Simeon has revealed God's plan to re- for God to reveal himself, not just to the Jews, but to all nations, and to reveal that plan, that plan of salvation, not just for the Jews again, but for all people without distinction. So that means that his plan and his revelation is for me, and it's for you. And I think that's a great part of the message we can take and realize that this story uh, is about people like us, and it is meant for uh, us as well. By now, as we read in the text and we think about where Luke has taken us to in telling the good story of of the coming of Christ, he's revealed many characters in this storyline, and I think that most of us, if not all of us, can find someone in the story up to now that we can relate to, just a handful of those. We've met the older couple that was hoping to have a child, and finally, at long last, they're able to have a child. This is Zachariah and Elizabeth and their son, John. We've seen the young girl in this case, who was even more surprised to be having a son so soon, Mary, the virgin who found out that she was going to be having a a child even before she was fully wed to Joseph. We have seen the the, uh, two babies, John and Jesus. Obviously, they played a a pretty major role in this story that's unfolding. And then finally, Simeon and Anna, who we just met in this story, and we see that they are 
people at the final stages of their life, and yet we see them playing an active role in laying out this story and being a part of God's revealing of himself and laying out his plan of salvation. So people from every stage of life are part of this story, and they're not just part of it as observers, but they're part of the story actively. And I think there's a message that we can take from that. Specifically, I think God has a role for each of us, no matter what role of life or stage of life we're in, and therefore we can take away that no matter who we are, the story of Jesus is for you. Point number three, we should never cease to marvel at the work of Jesus. And certainly our music we had earlier uh, is one of the great ways that we can respect and and, and we can reflect on and and marvel at, at Jesus but we'll see there's other ways as well. So I'd like to sort of paint a picture, or at least I like to sort of put my mind in, or myself into the mind of where I think Mary and Joseph were when they took Jesus into Jerusalem. So they're coming in, this is in verse 22, they're taking him in to perform all these, uh, the, these things to fulfill the law. And so at this point, again, they've already heard from the angel that they're going to have a child and it's going to be the Son of God. Mary has given birth and had all the shepherds show up and to reveal to them the things that the angels told the shepherds. Specifically, the angels show up and say, which Mary and Joseph knew this, but the, angel, the shepherds show up and say, the Messiah is born, and by the way, he's your kid. And so even though they knew this, that has to be a pretty marvelous thing to uh, have these shepherds show up and know that God has sent them uh, to, to share in, in, the, in this revelation uh, that they are indeed raising the Son of God. And so at this point, they've already experienced some pretty serious parental marveling. They've had opportunities to marvel over young Jesus, but we see when Simeon spoke and praised God, you see, he took the baby, and I don't know, at first I was thinking of a Lion King type thing, you know, but, but he says he took him in his arms, so we'll, we'll go more something like this, but he, he took Jesus in his arms, and he praised God, and he was speaking about the great things that he knew that, that Christ was going to do, and as he was sharing this with Mary and with, with Joseph, they marveled at hearing of the great things that he was going to do. And so for me, trying again to understand, uh, hopefully this will help some of you. Parents, I'm going to try to reach out to you on this one. So parents, do you remember when your first child was still a genius? I don't know if you all remember this. It was probably right after you knew everything about parenting. And I'll go through this process the way it happened in my life. And I think this is the way the sequence is. First of all, you're married. You have no kids. And at this point, you know everything about parenting. You're a perfect parent. Then you have your child. You realize you know nothing about parenting. And, but at this point, your child, this is that moment. This is that point where your child is a genius. They can do no wrong. They're, they're going to be great superstars. They are, they are a genius. The next stage is they start eating dirt. And, and so you start, it starts getting a little sketchy at that point, but then you're sort of distracted from that because they also then start understanding and believing that you know absolutely nothing about anything. You're, you're in that dumb parent phase that's there. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful that at some point... If you, you, know, you get your, your kids grow up and at some point that you're, you'll restore some of that intelligence that you thought you had back before you had kids. Although, I, first service, I, I got, I think Ed Wadey said, you might get a little of it back. So I'm still holding out hope that, that at some point the intelligence that we had as parents before we had kids will indeed return. But in, in seriousness, though, if you, if you think back, and as I think back to uh, remembering how we marveled when God gave us our kids, uh, and we have two children, one is homemade and one we adopted. And so as we look at and remember that process that we went through, you know, what a miracle it was and is to see God bringing that life into your life and to see then God working with them and bringing them to the point of salvation. And you see these great things and you remember that, that pride in knowing that 
God is working in your child's life. And so I think it's perfectly reasonable and, and appropriate that Mary and Joseph reacted uh, the way they did whenever they were told by Simeon about the great things that, that were laying ahead uh, in Jesus' life. And so even though at this point they've already experienced Mary having seen in the presence of, having an angel appear to her and speaking to her and talk to her about how she was going to give birth to Jesus and, and all that process, uh, and having experienced all that, I think it's, it's sort of can be summarized that both Mary and Joseph knew who Jesus was at this time, but whenever Simeon spoke about Jesus, they also knew what Jesus was going to do, and they, they were marveling at the things that Jesus was going to do. And I think it's appropriate for them to respond that way, and I think we should, as we see Jesus and we hear about the things he's done and the things he's going to do, it's appropriate for us to also marvel uh, in what he's done and to sing songs like How Great Thou Art that really speak to understanding the, the great love and gift that Jesus has. And so we should never cease saying, wow, how wonderful, how marvelous is Jesus. I'll move into some of the uh, applications that for me I take away and I hope that these will be somewhat useful for you. First, I think we can look for opportunities to use our stage of life to, to serve and to bless others. As we, as we study in the text and we see Luke had brought in a variety of people in various stages of life, I think it becomes clear to me that God has a purpose for each of us and he's equipped us for that purpose. He's equipped us better than anyone else for whatever part he has in mind for us in that plan that he has for us. And so I think that as whatever stage of life we're in, we should take advantage of God's preparation. So use uh, your youthful uh, enthusiasm and energy that you have if you're a youth. You should use your calm reasoning if you're in what I like to refer to as advanced youth. I don't like the middle-aged thing. You know, I, I think I'm an advanced youth, so it's, you know, and hopefully we've got some calm reasoning. You've been through some things, so you're no longer probably as energetic as you once were, but you think you still are, but you certainly uh, are learning the skill of thinking before you speak, so you'll take advantage of that, and, you know, so work with that. And then, of course, those that, that have, uh, we'll, we'll call them super advanced youth, those who have lived a life, you know, have a life well lived and have that wisdom, share that. Make sure that you, that you use those gifts that's God given, that God has given to you. And I, I think there's value in us sharing with groups, people in other stages of life, because certainly uh, there's a lot that we can learn from one another. And even within your own age group, there's opportunities for us to sharpen one another. When we have the youth together, when we have uh, the men's group, when we have different uh, groups to get together, uh, it's not just about the food, although we're Baptists, so it's definitely somewhat about the food. But it doesn't have to be just about the food. There's also opportunities for us to, to help share one another's burdens, for us to sharpen one another, and for us to, uh, I think, give a hug and or to help us know there is light at the end of the tunnel, and hopefully it's not a train, as they say. So I, I think there's a lot of value to that, and I think you'll find, as I usually find in those situations when you reach out to serve someone else, that the person that gets the greatest blessing is you. So it uh, certainly has been the truth in my life. Uh, second application, and I'll close on, on this part, never miss an opportunity to recognize and marvel at the work of Jesus in your life. Uh, clearly as we look around and clearly as we look in this church, each of us can attest to the things that Jesus has done to bring us to where we are the things, the gifts we've been given, the times whenever we thought were the darkest hours and then we realized that, that Christ was carrying us through that. And, and sometimes even we don't understand 
what the purpose is, but God gives us that peace and comfort knowing that he is indeed in control and in charge. And, and I think we need to, to, to all, be in awe of him and marvel at the great things he's done and continues to do. Uh, join with me in, in prayer, if you would. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we're able to come together and, and open your word and just to share it. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to, to see how we can apply it to our lives, that you would help us to understand the plans you have for us, that you would help us to see how you've equipped us each uniquely to be a part of your plan. Uh, please reveal yourself to us. Help us to boldly and eagerly seek to, uh, to be a part of the plan that you have in mind, Lord. Uh, I thank you for the, the chance to open your word and to study and, and to worship you freely. Uh, just bless the reading of this and studying of your word. In Christ's name, amen.